Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. The world is watching us. In this series, I talked about how the world is watching us uh, as we approach the end times. He's watching, uh, the world is watching how we respond. And what is our response? Our response is peace. And when Teresa gets up here and she talks about like, I'm, it's strange, this peace. Well, that's what the word of God says. Is it? It's a peace that passes understanding. Like we don't understand how we can be at peace. And during this time of turmoil and tribulation and uh, wars over, over in Ukraine and all of that, hey, it's a time to be at peace. We just need to chill out and understand that God is in control. Uh, I, I talked to you last week about difficult people. How many, how many people took the difficult test? Uh, a few of y'all, like two or three or 10. Yeah, all right, the hands are going up. Uh, and I, I talked over the week. I mean, I just actually put that up there. It was just kind of fun. I didn't know that people were actually gonna go do that. And uh, I had different people coming back and saying, oh, that test was wrong. You know, I, I am not that difficult. And I just said, well, you've proven the test right now. You're difficult. You're just being difficult. And um, so I talked about how to deal with difficult people and not people who are being difficult. That's different. Some people just love to be difficult, but there are difficult people. Difficult people uh, are, are the ones that it's like, man, they're hard to reach and uh, they're, they're, they're hard to train or they have struggles or things that, that are difficult to deal with. Well, the world is watching. Do we throw those people away or do we love on them and, and do it? You know, our, our, our uh, mission here at Destiny is to love God and love people, all people. Except those difficult ones, you know, like I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. That'd be easier to love God and only love the perfect people. But there would not be very many, any of those because none of us are perfect. And so today I want to talk to you about really our beliefs. I want to talk to you about our beliefs because the world is watching to see if we believe what we say we believe. Yeah. The world is watching to see if we believe what we say we believe. We say we believe in healing. But I'll have some people and I'm just, you know, I'll pick on my own family. Because when I pick on y'all, y'all get mad. Uh, I'll pick on my own family. I'll go and pray for them. And, and I mean, these are people that are older than me in the faith. These are the people that brought me to church, but I'll go and I'll pray for them and I'll be praying for some of my family and, and they'll be telling me about what, what the need is. And I'll say, well, we're going to, we're going to declare the word over, over. See, a lot of people have not learned to make declarations. They've not learned that the word is powerful and effective and it brings results. And so they're, they're just used to begging God. That's, that's their idea of what prayer is. But see, we're, we're co-heirs with Christ. Like, 
You know, we are inherit uh, uh, heirs. We have an inheritance that God has promised us so that when I can make declarations, I am worthy because the Father has given me the right to declare the word over my situation. And there are things that I really don't have to pray to God for. You know, we don't have to pray to God about everything because it's a finished work on the cross. On the cross, he said, it is finished. And there are just certain things that we don't have to pray about. I know we love to pray. And I'm not anti-prayer at all. I'm pro-prayer. But there are, we need to know the things we need to pray about and the things we don't need to pray about. If the word has already settled it, we don't need to pray about that. We need to declare the word. We just need to declare the word over it. And so when we begin to pray for some of my family, I'm like, I'm trying to shift them from this mindset of begging the Lord because you hope he will do it. Because Teresa, they don't believe that they're that person. They think that's for somebody else. They don't think that they're worthy of it or that kind of thing happens to them. But I'll begin to pray for them and I'll say, well, listen, we're, we're just going to declare that the word, the word of the Lord over you, that your body is healed. The Lord God, your healer, he lives in you. He resides in you. You know, and I'll go through that and I'll finish the prayer and in the name of Jesus, amen. And then I'll be like, um, well, you're going to go to the doctor tomorrow. And you're going to get a good report. You know, well, I hope so. I'm like, oh, we were up here. And, and, and we slipped down to here right after the prayer. And it's like, oh, if we could just get to that place of, hey, I'm just going to declare it. And I'm going to believe it. And, and, and I'm going to expect it. And tomorrow we're going to show up and we're going to see what God does. And listen, I just want to tell you, if, if you show up and if it's not what you expected, God's still in control. Why? Because God is always good. And he's going he's, he's to use the situation and he's got a different plan or something, but God is always in control. But the world is watching to see if we believe what we say we believe. We say we believe in truth. They're looking to see if we believe the truth. They, we say that we believe in, in the commandments, in uh, how we honor one another, especially mom and dad. You know, that's one of the commandments. Well, how, how do you, the world is watching to see how you live that out. We say that we don't believe uh, in coveting another man's wife, yet the church has a higher divorce rate in the church than outside. It used to be neck and neck, and then it got higher than, than, than those who are not Christians, and I don't know where it's at now, but it really doesn't matter. It's way too high, and if you are divorced or you're going through a divorce, hear, hear me. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to, to, to say that that's the wrong thing to do. I'm not saying any of that, but what, we, what I'm saying is we say we believe certain things, but the world is watching us to say to see if we stand up that we say we believe in valuing our children we say we value our children they're our next generation they're the hope of the future but then we we have this outrageous astronomical death rate of our children that we murder every day 
It's called abortion. If you've had an abortion, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. If that's under the blood, Jesus is forgiving you. It's gonna maybe take you a little time for your heart to heal over that. That'll take some time, but there's no condemnation if that's something that you've undergone. There's no shame in that. If that's something that you've undergone, your heart is gonna have to heal. But we say we believe in the sanctity of life, but yet our nation, the world is watching to see if we truly believe what we say we're going to believe. Listen, I've made some enemies. I've made enemies within the church. I've made enemies within the community. When I said, I will never, ever, ever, ever. I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, independent, or what, whatever other uh, denominations of politicians there are. I will never vote for a politician that is pro-abortion. Never. I I will never do it. And the reason why is because I believe that murder of an unborn child is absolutely against the will of God. And I can't support somebody politically. I can be their friend. I can be their friend. I can even respect your point of view, your right. I can't respect the point of view, but I can respect your right to have that point of view. We can go and we can sit down and have dinner together, but I won't vote for you. You you get me? You know, we say a lot of things. We say that we believe in, um, in biblical marriage. What is biblical marriage? Well, the person who thought it up gets to tell you what it was. And it's Adam and Eve, a man and a woman. You know, we say we believe in that. And so that is what a marriage is. Yet, yet, we have people that stand in pulpits like this all over our nation that have redefined that. And the world is watching to see if we will stand up for what we believe. So I could go on and give you multiple, multiple, multiple examples of where we as a church are failing. That we say one thing and we do another because we don't want to offend the culture. But can I just tell you one thing? The culture doesn't think twice about offending you. The culture does not think twice about offending us. And we have to learn the difference between loving the world, meaning I love you, and loving the world. Are you, are you following me? We have to learn the difference between I love the world, but there is a difference between loving worldly things. We've got to decide And so I want you to look at this. Let's go to John chapter 16. In John chapter 16, Jesus, he's he's coming into a city called Caesarea Philippi. And uh, sorry, Matthew. I've, I've got John on the screen. It's Matthew. Thank you, Amy, for pointing that out. So Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is coming with the disciples He's coming into this area called Caesarea Philippi. And at verse 13, you there? 
When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Son of Man is a, is a term he referred to himself. And so he says, who, who do people say that I am? And uh, well, they replied. So different disciples are giving different answers. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And the others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, the problem with that is that they're all good answers, but they're not correct. They're all good answers. I mean, John the Baptist is out there foretelling, you know, he's, he's baptizing people into the kingdom. Uh, Elijah, you know, he's the miracle worker. Jeremiah, you know, uh, one of the amazing prophets or many other prophets, they're, they're saying you could be any of these. Th those are all great answers, but they're wrong answers. And here, here's, here's the thing. There's, a, there's an attempt here by the people to uh, honor God or honor Jesus to a degree, but yet it minimizes who he is. It's sad that in the church, we, we will honor God to a degree, yet we will still minimize who he is. I'm telling you what, when he comes, he comes in the fullness of who he is. And you can accept him in the fullness of who he is, or you can accept him however you want to, but he's coming in the fullness of who he is. When he comes into this room, he's coming as healer, when he comes into this room, he's coming as savior. When he comes into this room, he's coming as deliverer. When he comes into this room, he's coming as the miracle worker. When he comes into this room, he's coming as the prophet, priest, and king. When he comes into this room, he's coming as the Messiah, as the great teacher, as the great rabbi, and the great revelator. You can receive him in whatever degree. But if you just want to receive him as a great teacher, Buddha was a great teacher. Muhammad was a great teacher. Um, Mahatma Gandhi, a great teacher, lots of great teachers out there, but he is more than just, uh, 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 the master teacher. And he comes in the fullness of who he is. And I'm telling you what, anytime I come into a place, I'm like, God, I want to receive you in the fullness of who you are. Because you might come into the room today and you might not exactly know what you need. But Jesus knows exactly what you need and he is the fullness of everything you need. He's the source of all of our resources. And I don't know about you, but I've been in places in my life where I'm like, I didn't know I needed that. I'm like, whoo, Jesus, thank you. I didn't know I needed that. But he knows what you need. And he's the, he's the doctor, man. And when the scripture, when it says he walks among the lampstands, in other words, he walks among the churches, but the church, when we are in this place, if you are here with an open heart, I mean, just an open heart. Like, I don't even know if I believe all of this stuff, but I'm gonna be open to it. I don't even know what I need today. Uh, I, you know, but I'm gonna be open to whatever the God, just being open, Holy Spirit will come into this place and he will touch you in a way. He will minister to you in a way that only he can, uh, like only he can. And so the world is watching to see what, if we will believe what we say we will believe. Will we follow culture or will we follow Christ? Will we follow the culture? The church guys is following a lot of culture right now. Following a lot of culture. They're following a lot of political culture. They're following a, a, a lot of uh, uh, culture that's out there on all of these hot topic things, transgender and uh, uh, all the sports stuff going on with transgender. And, uh, you know, uh, man, I tell you what, there's this law down in Florida that, uh, you, you know, we, again, we say we, we, 
want to protect our kids. We say that we had never let certain things happen to our kids. But like, I'm, I'm just telling you, I've been to Disney World so many times, I'll, I'll own stock in it. I tell my parents, uh, or not my parents, I tell my kids and Shay, I'm like, for the love of God, can we please go somewhere besides Disney World? But you know, there's this law down in uh, Florida that's uh, the Parents' Bill of Rights, which simply says this, that it's my child and I have a right to know what is being taught to them. I have a right to have a say in the books that are in their schools that are being taught to them. I have a right to know what medical information is being told my children. I have a right. This is my child. This is flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. You know, it, 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 it came from me and out of her. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is ours. You didn't have no, nothing to do with it. But do you know who is at the forefront of opposition to that? Mickey Mouse. Disney CEOs are, are standing up against it and saying, listen, you, you don't have a right to your children. You don't have a right to all of this. Like, hey, I'm telling you what, Mickey Mouse is one of the greatest preachers in the world. He's one of the greatest evangelists in the world. There's a movie uh, coming out, uh, and I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a movie they got out right now, uh, and it's... Um, I just want to take a minute to say, parents, watch this movie that's coming out, if you haven't already seen it. And it's about the coming of age of this little girl, and she's getting her period and all of that, turning red. Uh, man, y'all, y'all watch that movie, because very subtle uh, things in there about all kinds of beliefs that we as a church say we don't believe. But yet we'll... We'll, we'll, we'll pop some popcorn and we'll get us a bowl of ice cream and we'll get us our Skittles and our Jujubees and we'll buy tickets and we'll go to the movie or we'll sit at home and we'll watch it. And it's like, oh, cover your eyes for this part. Cover your eyes for this part or cover your ears. Listen, if you don't think there's an agenda that Disney's preaching, you got another thing coming. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying get up a boycott trip or anything like that. I'm just saying watch out and stand up for what you believe because the world is watching. And I'm telling you what, if uh, uh, the, the church is an army and if we would uh, vote with our pocketbooks, oh, ooh, Jesus, People do not mind voting with their pocketbooks when they don't agree with something at church. Uh-huh. Ain't nobody amen in that. I've had people to tell me, like, you think I'm going to cheer that? Well, I didn't really like that preacher. I had a guy, I've told you this story, at a church over in Citronelle. And he's like, I didn't like that preacher. I didn't like what he is." He wouldn't do this. He was blah, blah, blah. He moved the piano from the left side of the stage to the right. He didn't ask one person in the church, could he do that? I stopped paying my tithe. I'm like, you're just ignorant, dude. First of all, you don't pay tithe. You bring it to the Lord out of honor that everything he's blessed you with. But we'll have people that they will vote with their tithe dollar, but they won't vote for the things outside of the church. 
I'm telling you what, if we just decided I'm not, I'm canceling my subscription, and I ain't telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to do that. This is an example. But if we would vote by I'm canceling my subscription and we go into the beach instead of Disney this year. Think if a massive army of people did that. And why are we doing this, Mr. Disney? Why are we doing this? Because we don't like what you're putting out. Put out stuff that is wholesome. You know? And so the world's watching to see if we will stand up for what we believe. Let me get back to the uh, account here. So he says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And they said, uh, John the Baptist, Elijah, and others say, uh, maybe Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I'm at verse 15. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? See, there's culture. Who's Jesus? Well, he's this and he's this. And I don't really care who he is. He's nothing to me. There's culture and what culture says. And then there's disciples. There's the Christ followers. There's us. And Jesus is like, it's not like he didn't know what they were saying about him out in the culture. But he's like, but what really matters to me is who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And this is what uh, uh, Peter's answer. So Simon Peter, Simon, his name uh, in Greek means the listener, one who listens. And I love this. Watch, watch what's fixing to happen here with Peter. So Simon, all right, his, it, his name is not Peter uh, or uh, it, it's Simon, all right? So Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are, uh, you are the anointed one, Messiah, Mashiach. That word right there means the anointed one. Like you're not just another great teacher. All those answers were good, but they were wrong. You are the Mashiach, the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the one that God sent into the earth to make a difference, to save us, to rescue. You have rescued my life. And I love this. Uh, 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 Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of John. That's, that was his name. He was, he's not Peter yet. He's fixing to turn that. But he said, Simon, son of John, you are blessed because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Listen, there are things that you will learn in the spirit that it will supersede your education. Like smart people are hard. Like, you know, dumb people are easy to just share the gospel with. I'm joking. Not really, but sort of. But smart analytical people are so hard to witness to because everything has to be explained to them. Instead of coming up to God, they want to pull God. Can you come down here and... Mm, be on my level. Listen, I don't want to serve that kind of God. I don't want to serve a God that I can explain everything about him because what? That makes me an equal with God. And the scripture says there is none above him, beside him, beneath him. There's no other God. I'm not a God. I'm a son of God, one of his sons. But you know, we'll want to pull him down to our level so that we can explain him. I'm telling you what, I'm totally okay with not being able to explain all the things that I went to school to learn how to explain. 
I can't explain the Trinity. I can try. I can come up with an educated uh, guess and try to explain it the best I can. But after that, it sort of leaves something to be desired because he is God. And I cannot explain God. How can you explain infinite? How can, he, how can you explain something that was never born and will never die? The beginning and the end. You cannot explain it. And so it's just like how awesome you are. That's why we worship him. Because he is amazing. He is so wonderful and magnificent. And so I'm telling you, there are things about our life and our faith that we just accept. And he says, Simon, you have, the Lord, God himself has shown you these things. I'm telling you, when it com- I can try my best to explain speaking in tongues and the gift, of, uh, the, the gift of tongues and interpretation and prophecy. And I can try my best to explain all of that to you. But there comes a time where you just have to go, I've experienced it. Is it weird? Yes, it's weird. Amen. It's strange. It's, it's not natural. It's supernatural. Supernatural. Isn't it funny That we'll believe all Hollywood puts out about the supernatural, but we won't believe what the Bible says about the supernatural. Come on. I'm telling you, man, there's people in here, your favorite movie is The Matrix. I can't stand The Matrix. I know I'm, I'm, I'm not part of that Matrix club, but I'm like, that's just a crazy movie, man. And I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. And they're like, man, you can't explain it. It's just The Matrix. But then they got to have, you got to explain everything in detail about God and spiritual things to them or they won't believe. I'm telling you what, you can tell me all day long that speaking in tongues is weird and not right and it's of the devil and all that. But I've experienced it myself. I've experienced it myself many, many, many times and most of the time every day in some form or fashion, you can talk to your blue in the face, but I've experienced it and I don't need anybody to tell me that it's not real or it is real because I've experienced God and I know it's real. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, Simon, you are blessed because your father in heaven has revealed this to you and no man has revealed this to you. And there is a blessing that comes from that. I'm telling you what, when you will accept God and when you will experience him at that level, there's a blessing in your life that will come. And he says this, watch the shift that's fixing the change. What did I tell you that Simon meant? Listener. Listener, isn't it amazing that Simon was one of the most difficult disciples? Remember I talked about that last week. Simon was just difficult. Simon, he's chopping people's ears off. I mean, he's doing all kinds of crazy. He's denying the Lord. He's, he's doing all kinds of crazy things. He's rebuking. As a matter of fact, right after this uh, is when, you know, I mean, the Lord just gave him a huge promotion, And I'm not going to read it today. You can read it. I talked about it last week. But right after this, he's pulling the Lord aside and saying, listen, I got to talk to you. You can't be saying these things about yourself. Like he's reprimanding God. Dude, this guy is difficult. I'm like, Jesus, I'm telling you, bro. I'm just like, Jesus, he was a patient man. I just gave you a promotion and a compliment. And next thing I know, man, you're sitting over here chewing me out, giving me a reprimand, telling me I shouldn't be saying the very things that God sent me to say. He says, 
He says, Peter, but here's the thing about Peter. Simon. Are y'all with me? I'm talking about the same person, but see his name's getting changed. Simon means listener. Isn't it amazing that we only read one account where he chopped somebody's ear off? Isn't it amazing that we only read one account where he rebuked the Lord? Isn't it amazing we only read one account? So, you know, they're adding up. But we only read one account where he uh, refused to let the Lord wash his feet and then, and then retracted that. Isn't it amazing? Why? Because he's a listener. Like, you ain't got to tell me twice. Like, I'll get it wrong one time, but you ain't got to tell me twice. And that's what Simon was. It's like he would get it wrong, but the Lord would reprimand him and correct him and reprove him. Why? Because that's what the word does, the Logos does. And he's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for loving me, God. Thank you for never giving up on me, God. You don't have to, I ain't going to make that mistake again. And we never read about some of those same mistakes again. But look at what God does for him, Jesus does for him. He says, now I say that you are Peter, Petros, Peter, which means the rock, means small rock, little stones, He says, and upon this rock, I'll build my church, ecclesia, the Greek word ecclesia, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I mean, my God, that one verse right there, I could break into two or three different sermons. He says, you know what? You're Simon. You're a good listener. And because you've listened well and because you've listened to Holy Spirit when, when, when he's talking to you, he's like, I didn't tell you that. Who told you that? God revealed that to you. You are a good listener. And because you are a good listener, Peter, or or Simon, you are now Petros. You are now the little rock. And you're going to take, and a bunch of little rocks are going to come together, and I'm going to build my church. What What is he doing? He says so many things in here. He says, Peter, You're fixing to have a name change. God wants to change some of y'all's names. He wants to take you from a listener to a doer. He wants to take you. That's why he says we can't just be hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. And so he says, Peter, I'm taking you from a listener to a doer. And you're going to do some amazing things. And through you and all of these other little Petras, I'm going to build my church. Who's going to do it? God is going to do it. Oh, let me get into some weeds right here real quick. So Victor's fixing to plant a church. He and Miss Karen are going to plant a church. I don't know. I've not talked to him, not trying to put him on the spot. I believe it's a, uh, I, I believe it's a paramount day for you, my friend. I don't know uh, what church growth books he's read. And I'm, I don't know who he's following, who, who's out there trending in the great uh, church growosphere. I don't know what, what you're listening to, but I can tell you what, you can rip most of that junk up and, and toss it out. And, and if you, I, I, you listen, brother, I, I, I tell you, I, this is a prophetic day for you. You are not the first person that's walked into this church that has come up on this stage that we've invested in and, and we've helped plant in this community. And in six 
months, they are closing their doors. Why? Because they were trying to build the church. They were trying to build a church. Listen, brother, I love you in the name of Jesus, in the, in the Lord. But look, you, you good looking, you smart, you look like you're intelligent. You've been on the mission field. It looks like you got some talent. But listen, you ain't that talented. You ain't that good looking. You're not that rich. You're not that wealthy. You don't have as much gifting as needed. You got to have a dependence upon the Lord. And he says, I will build my church. I will build my church. Not, not Rife, not Victor, but you got pastors out there, man, that they are trying to build these kingdoms. They're not trying to build the kingdom. They're trying to build their kingdom. And what happens is when you try to build the kingdom, you actually are trying to get customers. Come on. So what we, what we become, we become salesmen of the gospel. And uh, when you become salesmen, listen, oh, Jesus, none of y'all salesmen get upset with me now. Because Christians, Christian salesmen are called to be different than non-Christian salesmen. That's why I couldn't make it in my sales field. I, I struggled through it for about four years, but I couldn't make it because my boss was breathing down my neck to know why I let that customer walk out the door. And I'm like, because they didn't need what we had. It's like, well, you got to tell them this. And I'm like, I'm not lying. If I have to lie, this is not my job. And I'm just like, you know, but we get into this place where it, when we're trying to build, when we're trying to build a church, you know, you start, I get them every day. I get them every day. I don't know why I hadn't unsubscribed to all of them, but it's like, how to grow your church in 18 easy steps for $600. Send us $600 and we'll tell you how to grow a church. 18 easy steps. Well, the next guy's got 14 easy steps and it's $300 cheaper. Are, are you following me? So we get into this thing of like, I'll just tell you what you want to hear. I will cater the message and this service to your needs. That's what the church has actually devolved into. But I'm telling you what, this is not the place for us to satisfy customers. This is a sanctuary of a holy God. And when we come into this place, it's not about anybody in this, in this house. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about the music. It's, it's about one thing, Christ and Christ alone. And listen... We are, we, we are not the church for everybody. We're just not. There are some churches that are like, everybody's got a place here. Well, everybody doesn't have a place at Destiny. I mean, you can if you want to, but we are not going to water the gospel down. We're not. We're, we're a prophetic people. Why? Because the scripture says that we, you know, that the, the, the Five-fold ministry gifts are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. We, we are a prophetic people. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I've had people on our ministry team, none current. But I've had people on our ministry team to say, Pastor Rife, you got to stop doing this. you got to stop doing certain things. Like, they wouldn't want me to call you up and pray over you. And God forbid if I started speaking in tongues over y'all, you know. And you can't let just certain people do, you know, and I'm like, nope, 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 nobody, nope. Mm -mm. That's not who we are. That might be the church uh, in, in any one of four directions, but that's not who we are. 
And when we come into this house, we don't have everything figured out. I know there are some churches that they got everything figured out down to the very minute. I know that the pastor has, has, his, has his message memorized. I, I really uh, revere those guys. Like they literally can memorize a six-page script. Oh, Jesus. I, I can't remember what I said three minutes ago. I'm like, I can't be that guy. And we're not that kind of church. And we come in with a plan. We came in with a plan. But if I'm not mistaken, y'all probably sang some songs that weren't on the list today, right? Yeah, I thought y'all did. Uh, And it's like, y'all didn't know that, but I knew it. I'm like, because they told me what they were doing. And I'm like, oh, they're sneaking some stuff up in there, you know? Why? Because you have to Get in touch with God and let God take it where it needs to go. That's what you've got to do. And so he says, I'm changing your name from Peter, from Simon to Peter. And he says this, he says, I want you to understand, I'm building my church. This is the first time in scripture that we see the word church. The very first time. Ecclesia. And listen, we, when you and I mention our, our church, people out in the community have an idea of what it is. Because, you know, we're, we're from this writing of it now over 2,000 years of the use of that word. And what it means here is not what it means today. We think of church and we think of building, people coming together, worship and all of that. What he's saying here is, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And when he says that, it would, if, if Jesus was talking today, he would, he would say it something like this. Hey, I'm going to build my Congress on this rock. I'm going to build my assembly or I'm going to build my representatives on this rock. See, ecclesia is not a church term. It's not a churchy term. It's, it's, it's actually a political term. Mm, Jesus, I know y'all don't like me to talk about politics, but he, he's using, see, he's in Caesarea Philippi. He's, he's not in Jerusalem. He's not in Samaria. He's in Caesarea Philippi. Right there is one of the most pl- pagan places of Jesus' day. He's like, we got to get away from all the religious people and we got to get over here to where all the religious voices will stop. Just stop, shut them down. And so anyway, he says this, He says, I'm going to build my assembly. I'm going to build my Congress. I'm going to build my representatives, the ones that I want to represent me, the one I want to send out into the world to show others and and reflect my glory. And what this is, is it really is a term that is, means the called out ones. So we, we start seeing, uh, I'm going to get to that in a minute. I'll go back to that. Um, Ecclesia means the called out ones. And in this, Peter, all right, so who's he telling? He's telling Peter this. Well, years later, Peter is writing his own book. And it's called 1 Peter. And in the ninth verse of it, it says, Peter is telling them, but you're not like that. In other words, you're not like people who've rejected the the rock, the, the, the rock, 
the cornerstone. He's like, you're not like the people who have rejected God for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. So most of the time, he's calling you out of something to something for something. He's calling you out of the darkness into light to be a reflection of his goodness, his love, and his mercy. And so when we see this, when we see this, like he's saying, this is what an ecclesia was. It's called people who are called out of their homes. They would literally walk through the, th- walk through the street and they would be calling out, ecclesia! And they, they would be calling out the ecclesia to come out of their houses and they would go into the center of the town, the marketplace, and they would, they would discuss the things that were for the benefit of the community, not the church. The church doesn't exist. This ecclesia is a borrowed term. Do you understand? So he's, it's a legislative body that represents the group of people. Wouldn't it be great if our politicians actually represented the people that they serve? But wouldn't it be great if in the body of Christ, we truly represented Christ like he wants to be represented and not how we want to represent him? Man, I just preach my convictions, preacher. I just, mm mm I'm telling you what, this pulpit is not the place to preach my convictions. Why? Because my convictions will change over time. You, you, you with me? And your convictions can be so totally wrong. You can have a conviction about something based upon your passion, based upon your trauma even, based upon your history even. You can have a conviction You could, Teresa, you could have a conviction that, well, my whole family's susceptible to heart disease and everything, and it's my strong conviction. If they want to crack my chest open, I don't care. Crack it open. But no, when you say you believe in healing, you stand with healing first. And look what God did. And so this whole thing about ecclesia, Being called out, God says, you're different. You're different from the world. You and I are different from the world. We love the world, but we're different from the world. And we're called out of that darkness into light to be light. Let me go back to this one real quick. Um, When our beliefs, this is a key of what I want to leave with you. When our beliefs are settled, we make future decisions. When our beliefs are settled, we make future decisions. Pastor Greg told me one time we were dealing with, I was dealing with a difficult situation. And I'm like, man, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I've got to make this decision and it's a tough one. And this is what he said to me. He said, Pastor Rife, the decision has already been made. The difficult part is like carrying out that, but it's not a difficult decision because I'm like, man, I don't know what to do in this situation. And he said, but Pastor Rife, we actually do know what to do because we've already decided. We said, this is what our church culture looks like. As a leader of Destiny Church, meaning a leader, if you're in leadership, there are certain things that, that we don't want our leaders living a certain way. And it's like, we're not judging you. You can live however you want to. But when you are in leadership here, there's a certain way to live. 
And we just, we, that's our culture. That's our culture. We don't want worship leaders that are sleeping around with folks. You know, thank God I don't think we've had any. But, you know, uh, I, we, 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 don't want, we don't want somebody like that's out at the club on Saturday night and then they're in the church leading worship on Sunday morning. I'm just using worship as an example. Why? We've made a decision of what we as leaders believe are biblical and, and, and uh, Paul lays out to, first t- uh, to Timothy uh, what leadership in the church looks like. We've settled that so that when we run into situations... We've already made that decision. Now what we've got to do is we've got to have the conversation. The conversation might be difficult, but the decision is not because we already made it. Listen, the time for you to make a plan is not in the middle of the problem. I can tell you with beyond the shadow of a doubt, some people don't like me preaching this way. I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, I will never have an affair on my wife. Now preacher, you're messing with the devil there. You, You know, you asking for trouble. Every day I wake up and my feet touch the floor, I'm asking for trouble in the kingdom. Why? Because, man, I'm a fire-breathing dragon when it comes to, uh, to the kingdom of darkness. Like, you know, the spirit of God lives within me and wherever, and, and oh, there's, I was reading in second, uh, I, I believe it's second Kings last night, uh, where, where some lepers, they were going, uh, they, they decided they were going to the uh, enemy's camp because they were going to starve there. And so they like, we might as well just go to the enemy's camp because they're either going to kill us or feed us. And either one of those is better than staying here and dying from leprosy. When they went Oh, Jesus, man. When they went, four lepers, four lepers, an entire kingdom of the enemy. I'm going to preach on this one day. As they went in the supernatural realm, the Lord amplified their footsteps. It's four guys. The Arameans heard it. God amplified it. And they thought, my God, they have conspired with their, with their allies and they are coming to get us and they left everything. They, they ran and left everything. When you and I wake up in the morning, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm talking about people who have decided, they've decided, they've decided like Peter. Who are you? Who are you? You are the Christ. Who are you? Uh, man, he's, the, he's my sugar daddy. He's there when I need him. Come on, don't act like y'all don't treat Jesus sometimes like your sugar daddy. He's there when, when I need him. He's there when I got a need. He's there when I'm trouble. Daddy, what you got for me? Daddy, what you got for me? Daddy, I need you to get me. Come on, daddy, get me out of trouble today. Listen, he ain't your sugar daddy. He will be your sugar daddy, but he wants to be so much more. He is our empower. The Holy Ghost lives inside of us. And when we walk in the spirit realm, I'm telling you what, when your feet touch the floor, it's like... And it's like, the enemy is like, I'm fixing to say a word. Y'all forgive me. Holy crap. Did y'all hear that? What just happened? What is going on? Oh my God. He got out of bed. (laughs) That's me. That's you. That's every believer in this house that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Because it's dunamis, 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 dynamite power. It's dynamite power.
power. And so when we get out of bed, man, we, we are making an impact in the kingdom. But it's like we got to make our mind up. Do we believe what we say we believe because the world is watching? And I'm telling you what, when it comes to me, I've already made my, my mind up. I'll never have an affair on my wife because I've made my mind up that I love her. I would never shame her that way. I would not shame my children. My children, I'm going to die one day if the Lord doesn't return. And my children are going to be able to say my dad was always faithful to my mom. Always, always. Because see, that's important to me. I've already decided that. So, so what happens? Y'all, y'all think women hadn't come on to me? Hello, look at this. I, I was, I was not, not in my shop now. This is the one before I started going to, before I met, uh, before Lauren started working on my head. But in this other barber shop that I went to in Daphne, man, there's this woman. I'm telling you, dude, she was working overtime. I'm like, baby, you're just barking up the wrong tree. I, I'm not even joking, dude. I'm like, I'm telling you, I was almost to the point where she's going to pop the question in a second. And it ain't the kind of question you want. But I'm, but I'm like, mm-mm, she is barking up the wrong tree. Why? Because I already made that decision. I've already settled that. So I'm not in the middle of this situation going, mm, she looking pretty good. And me and Shay did have a fight last night. And Shay has been blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. No, none of that. Why? It's a settled deal for me. That's like, that's why you ain't ever got to worry about me uh, uh, stealing any money from Destiny Church. You ain't ever got, I'm telling you, you can believe it or you don't, you don't have to believe it. I will never steal any money from Destiny Church. Why? Because I already made that decision. I, I, don't, I don't have uh, control over the books at Destiny. I don't, half the time I have to ask somebody else, you know, how much money do we have or those kinds of things. Why? Because I've already made a decision. My time in eternity ain't worth a few thousand or 10,000 or even a hundred thousands of dollars that I would get on this side of glory. I'm not going to forfeit that. Why? I've already made the decision. See, y'all don't want your preacher preaching like this. Y'all don't want your preacher preaching like this. Man, somebody held, handed me almost $500 in cash, just a big old wad of bills. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody, I got this cash. Nobody would even know if this went anywhere. You know who would know? Holy Ghost knows. And you know what? He's the anointed one. He lives in me. That means that's where my anointing comes from. Holy Ghost ain't going to have no part of that deception. It's like, I'm not letting the Holy Ghost depart. I'm telling you what, I will hold on to him. I will chase him down. I will forever be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Because I know for me, and I'm not trying to self-deprecate here, and I'm not looking for any pats on the back. I know that without God, I am a worm. I ain't that talented. I really ain't that good looking. I'm not that smart. I, as you can tell, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not trying to get pats on the back or strokes on my ego. I'm just telling you what. Without God, I'm a worm. I've got to have Mashiach living inside of me. 
I've got to have the Messiah, the anointed one living inside of me so that I can make it day to day and make the right decisions day to day. Man, I got to let y'all go. Um, He says this. He says, I'm changing your name. I'm going to build my church. And he says this. He says, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. How many powers of hell? All the powers of hell will not conquer it. He doesn't say all the powers of hell won't come against it. He says all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And, uh, oh, brother uh, Victor, brother Victor, brother Victor, if you think for a minute, and I know you don't, if you think for a minute that the, that the enemy's not already planning assaults and attacks on you, and, and brother, they're going to come from you. They, well, I'm not prophesying this over you, but don't be surprised if they come from your staff, the very ones that are closest to you. They'll be lying to people, telling stuff that ain't true about you. And guess what? The people on the front row, no offense, the people who sit on the front row will be the first ones to leave your church and they'll be the first ones to believe it. And you were the one that gave them a platform to elevate them into their calling. It'll happen. The gates of hell will come against you. But here's the good news, folks, if you'll read it. He says, but what'll happen is God will give us the keys to the kingdom. Now, I don't know how many keys there are. I only got two here today. But he says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. The word keys there is plural. Why is it plural? I don't know how many keys there are, but I think they're innumerable. I, don't, I think God just keeps making them because every time the enemy forms a new weapon against you, the, God will create a new key for you. What are keys made for? Keys are made for uh, permitting and forbidding. Forbid. Keys are made for keeping stuff out and letting stuff in. And so when the enemy comes against you and he's got something, he says, i give you a key to lock that. Or if there's a need that you have, I'll give you a key to unlock that, to loose it. So pastor, whatever you need, God's got, got keys that he's already given to you for you to unlock those resources. And anything the enemy comes against us, God will give us the keys for that. And here's one of the things it says the gates of hell will not prevail against us it's not talking about necessarily the gate like on a house or your backyard the gate is the entry point to the city it's like city hall he he might as well have said and the the city halls of hell will not prevail against you listen the enemy is try- oh my god the enemy is trying to find a legal right in He says, the city halls of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. But what, why, why city hall? Why, why a political term does he use here? Because that's where legal decisions are made. Do you know that the enemy has no right to come up in your house? He needs your permission to come in there. The devil can't come up in this church. He, but he does. Oh, 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 don't ever fool yourself to think that the devil's not at church on any given Sunday because he's more dedicated than you are. He's more dedicated than I am. And he will come flat out sit on the front row. But he needs permission. So if, if he's up in here, somebody gave him permission to come up in here. If the enemy is in your life, just, you know, he's looking for things. He is looking for permission for you to open the door for him to come in. How do we do that? 
by things that we watch, the things that we partner with, the things that we say. And so he says, the gates, the city halls of hell will not prevail against you. Why? Because I've got my own assembly that I've called to city hall. And so we have our own gates. Isn't that amazing? We have our own gates. Oh, gates of Zion. You know what I'm saying? Oh, gates of Israel. We have our own gates. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard against it. God will come in like a flood. Amen? And so I want you to stand because I've got to stop preaching and let you go to the restaurant. Oh, yeah, the park, sorry. Um, to the park, the uh, picnic that we're having afterwards. But you got to bring your own food. <laughs> Let me make sure I've covered everything here. Bless you, Lord. So, let me go down through here. Um, how, how do we apply this message today? Don't make decisions based on your convictions. Make them based on Jesus' commands. Jesus said that this is how they'll know that you are my followers, that you know, I know that you love me and people will know that you love me, that you keep my commands. So you make decisions based upon the commands of God, not your convictions, not your convictions, like the truth. What is the truth? And listen, y'all are going to be, listen, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Y'all are going to be faced with decisions that are, that, you know, the decision's really not hard because it's already been made. What might be the difficult thing is you putting it into action and figuring out how to operate in love in doing it. Listen, I have had in my very own family been faced with challenges from my own family to my spiritual beliefs. Amy, do I, you know, if you were my daughter or if you were my son or if you were my mom or, but you're not living according to this, but you want me to accept your lifestyle? Listen, I can love you and not accept your life decisions. I can love you and not partner with the things. Why? Because this is my firm foundation. I've got friends with all kinds of beliefs, some family members with different beliefs that are outside of mine. Do I not love them because of how they live or their views on different things? No, I love them all the more. But I will not change I won't change for family. I won't change for my wife. I won't change for my kids. I will always love them, but this is my first love. And I make decisions, and you should make decisions based upon this and not your convictions.